Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> you can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond to dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. One of the things that first drew me to Quakers was the use of queries. I was attracted to the idea of questions used for contemplation, reflection, and self-examination. I appreciated the use of queries as both a spiritual exercise and a source of alignment. I liked that queries seemed to invite you into a space of soul searching. I much preferred that to exhortations or admonitions. A query seemed like a gentle nudge, one that wasn't judgmental, that didn't provoke defensiveness or guilt. Queries began as focused questions formulated a few years after the founding of the Religious Society of Friends to assess the health and progress of the society. The first set of questions posed to the monthly meetings asked about the death and imprisonment of friends since the last yearly meeting, and then asked how among friends did truth advance since last yearly meeting, and how do they fare in relation to peace and unity? By the 1740s, the queries had expanded to include reports on the spiritual state of the meeting, the number of new convincements, friends' faithfulness to testimonies and consistency of conduct. Over time, further queries have been developed and they represent a continuing exploration of our common faith and practice and continue to serve as a reminder of the insights of the society. The first query to resonate with me was from Pacific Yearly Meetings Faith and Practice and it asked, do I center my life in an awareness of God's presence so that all things take their rightful place? As well as a way into self-examination, this query is a reminder that God is always present and that I need to center myself in an awareness of that. It serves as a compass aligning my life with the constancy of God's presence. Another query that has been pivotal for me is from the yearly meeting of the Society of Friends in Great Britain. It begins with, do you respect that of God in everyone, though it may be expressed in unfamiliar ways or be difficult to discern? Each of us has a particular experience of God, and each must find the way to be true to it. The query continues, when words are strange or disturbing to you, try to sense where they have come from and what has nourished the lives of others. Listen patiently and seek the truth which other people's opinions may contain for you. Then it says something that I strive, not always successfully, to remember when posting on Facebook. Avoid hurtful criticism and provocative language. Then it ends with a zinger that I particularly need to keep in mind. Think it possible that you may be mistaken. Not a possibility I like, but one I need to be mindful of. For many years, I was a member of an unprogrammed Quaker meeting in Tucson, Arizona. It was the practice there one first day a month to begin meeting for worship by reading aloud a series of queries on one topic. Then we would settle into silent worship out of which people would respond to the queries. 
One first day, the queries pertaining to mutual care were read. At that time, our meeting was embroiled in conflict and controversy over the question of same-gender marriage. Two men had asked to be married and their request was largely ignored. Finally, one of the men wrote a letter about his pain regarding the situation, which was published in the meeting newsletter. Several people on ministry and oversight were incensed and invited someone out from Philadelphia to address the issue. There was a big meeting where accusations were made and counter accusations were lodged and a huge rift formed in the meeting. It was into that climate that the following queries were read. Do we trust sufficiently the goodwill of our meeting members and attenders to make our needs and concerns known? Do we love one another as becomes the followers of the light, even to the point of sharing one another's burdens? Do we care for one another so deeply that each other's needs are recognized and addressed? As members of a spiritual community, do we actively work to maintain love and unity? Is our meeting a loving spirit-centered community in which each person is accepted and nurtured? When conflicts exist, are they discussed calmly and patiently in an attempt to arrive at a creative resolution? Are we charitable with each other? How well do we respect that of God in every person, even though the spirit may be expressed in unfamiliar ways or be difficult to discern? As the queries were read, I was looking at the faces of the people on both sides of the issue, whom I knew were so hurt and angry and felt so betrayed and disdained. I knew that in numerous ways, the answer to all of these questions was no. And I was hopeful that the queries might provide space for softening and some sort of rapprochement. Instead, member after member stood to respond positively, positively to the questions, talking about how open and welcoming and accepting we were. The very people who were being the most hostile and combative toward others in the meeting were the ones responding the most affirmatively to the queries. I could see shocked faces all around me and I was stunned and a little appalled at the extent of the denial I was witnessing. The answers I was hearing seemed boastful and self-congratulatory and they seemed to be a betrayal of the queries themselves. Quakers were originally called the Friends of Truth, the name Religious Society of Friends not being used until 1793. This experience caused me to question just how accurately the original name, just how accurate the original name was. How could people who profess to believe in truth and integrity and in the queries themselves ignore the truth of what was happening? The people who were acting in such contrast to the testimonies were the people who considered themselves to be the weighty friends in the meeting. It made me wonder if queries and the testimonies themselves were of any use at all. As time went by, I did see many positive examples of people using the queries thoughtfully to examine and admit to the places where they were not living as they wished to, but I kept thinking of this experience and the self-affirming responses to the queries. These were from people who I knew genuinely wanted to live according to the Quaker testimonies. As I continued to worship, socialize, and be involved in social activism with my fellow meeting members and to be with them in a spirit of love and acceptance, and as I continued to use or avoid using the queries for my own soul searching, I began to get some insight into why some people had been unable to have any real self-reflection or self-examination about what was going on. In his book, The Universal Christ, Richard War talks about dualistic thinking, seeing things as either for us or against us, and seeing ourselves as either winners or losers, totally good or totally bad. I came to believe that it was this dualistic thinking that got in the way of people being able to accept where they were falling short. 
I also began to see that the people who could not embrace the queries as a way to real self-examination were deeply entrenched in shame. Brene Brown, the shame researcher, defines shame as the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. She talks about the profound difference between shame and guilt and says that she believes that guilt is adaptive and helpful. It's holding something we've done or failed to do up against our values and feeling psychological discomfort. For me, the queries play that helpful role which she ascribes to guilt. They allow me to hold my actions and even thoughts and feelings up against my values. Brown goes on to say that shame is not helpful or productive, that shame is much more likely to be the source of destructive, hurtful behavior than the solution or cure. This was what I was witnessing in my meeting. The people who were so hurtful toward others' people felt too much shame to be able to safely consider their own mistakes or missteps. I understand this because I have long struggled with shame myself. I'll give just one example. I was recently going to the beach for an extended family weekend and I was in charge of bringing food for lunches. I had decided that for one lunch, we would have baked potatoes and sandwiches and I had bought and packed a large number of baking potatoes and regular and vegan butter and sour cream. The day before we left, my three-year-old granddaughter was over and wanted to cook with me. I thought that we could make potato salad to go with the sandwiches. That would provide lots of opportunities for her to add ingredients and stir them in. I had peeled and diced the potatoes and put them to boil when I remembered that I was planning on baked potatoes for the meal, something I preferred as it sounded more comforting in light of the expected wet and gloomy weather. I went ahead and let my granddaughter make the huge batch of potato salad, deciding that I would bring both. However, that night, or more accurately, early the next morning, like two or three, I found myself in bed tossing and turning as I obsessed about how stupid I had been to forget about the baked potatoes and how disgusted everyone was going to be at the excessive amount of food I brought for one meal. I could not stop worrying about this and go to sleep. I finally asked myself what was going on and realized that I was feeling such acute shame about this error on my part that I couldn't function. As shame causes us to do, I was believing not that I had made a mistake, but that I was a mistake. I believed that doing this seemingly minor thing was proof that I was fundamentally flawed and unworthy. So I know firsthand how easily anything, even the use of queries can bring up feelings of shame. But paradoxically, I have found that queries can also be a way of combating shame. Shame re resilience theory or SRT, first articulated by Brown, is an attempt to define shame and its consequences. Based on the goal of reaching feelings of empathy, connection, power, and freedom, SRT is essentially made up of four steps. Recognize the personal vulnerability that led to the feelings of shame. Recognize the external factors that led to the feelings of shame. Connect with others to receive and offer empathy. Discuss and deconstruct the feelings of shames themselves. I have found that queries can be a way of accomplishing these four steps. While the use of queries has been useful in recognizing the personal vulnerability and external factors that lead to feelings of shame, the corporate use of queries has been profoundly helpful in connecting with others to receive and offer empathy and discussing and deconstructing the feelings of shame. My relationships at West Hill Friends have been particularly conducive to healing the sense of isolation and unworthiness I have internalized. The ability to respond authentically and truthfully to queries has been a big part of learning to feel accepted and valued by the community. 
While the traditional friends queries found in various faith and practice books are very helpful to me, the queries given in messages and first words have also been a source of much growth. Additionally, I found it helpful to formulate for myself queries that I use regularly in journaling or silent contemplation. A couple of those are, would I rather be right or do right? And what do I truly want in life? In 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul writes, test yourselves to see if you're really walking in the faith. Examine yourselves. Richard Rohr writes, we only know the Christ by observing and honoring the depth of our own human experience. The true and essential work of all religion is to help us recognize and recover the divine image in everything. It is to mirror things correctly, deeply, and fully until all things know who they are. The queries serve as a gift to help us observe and honor the depth of our own experiences, a way to recognize and recover the divine image in ourselves and all of creation. I offer the following queries. Is there a query that you have found particularly meaningful? If you were going to write a query for yourself, what might be most helpful to you? Has a sense of shame impacted you? How has connection to others helped? What helps you to observe and honor the depth of your own human experience? Are you able to recognize and recover the divine image in yourself and others? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.